You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. Axe Church Northwest is located in Vancouver, Washington, and we have services meeting each week at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. You can also join us online live at our 11 a.m. service each Sunday. If you'd like to know more about Axe Church Northwest, you can go to axechurchnw.org. Now enjoy the sermon. There are many reasons why we pray. Our Lord Jesus Christ gave us a model Uh, In Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, we've studied this before, it says this, In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We pray for many reasons. Here we're told a number of them. We pray to honor and praise and thank God. That's why the prayer starts out as it does. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We are going to start, hopefully, any prayer by recognizing who we're praying to. By honoring God in our prayers. I'm not going to lie, sometimes when I start praying, the first person I'm thinking about is me and not God. And it doesn't start with, you're good, hallowed be your name, you're glorious, you're holy, but instead, can I have this? Will you do that? But Jesus gives us a model that starts with putting things in order. We pray that God's will will be done and that his kingdom will come, that he'll return. That's we're anxiously waiting for, where righteousness will flow like Multnomah Falls coming down across the world. We're, we're praying for that moment. We're looking to that moment always. We keep that in mind as we pray that we're looking for his will and his return. This also helps set up our prayers. We pray for the needs of ourselves, of our family, of our brothers and sisters, of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Give us our daily bread trusting that he's going to take care of us one day at a time. We pray for forgiveness. And we pray for forgiveness with a heart that has already forgiven others. We have this mindset. Christ comes back and talks right after this prayer about how we are to forgive others as he's forgiven us. If we're not going to forgive others, he's not going to forgive us. So we have this forgiving heart and ask for forgiveness for ourselves. Grace towards others and asking to receive his grace. We pray to be strengthened and led in righteousness and not in the temptation to be delivered from the evil one. We want to walk in the ways that God has called us to walk in righteous ways, away from evil, away from the evil one, away from temptation. That's something that we can do, but we're asking for his leadership, his strength, his protection to take us through those places and to those places. And then we give all the honor and glory and recognition to God, recognizing his sovereignty, that he's the king with all the power and all the glory, that he's mighty, that he's the one who does it, that it's not us And we give him glory. So we start by honoring him. And at the end, we're honoring him again, recognizing again, both at the beginning and the end, who we are and who he is. And end, of course, with amen. So be it. This is true. 
We believe what we're saying here. This isn't just something we're doing. This isn't just words that we're throwing out there. We're saying, amen, let it be done as his will should be done. That the things that we're praying for are good and that God works all things together for good for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. That's at the end of each prayer. So we have this model. Jesus gives us this model. Now, along with this model, there is a deep and wide expanse of things, nuances, and other things that we would pray for as we also saw modeled by Christ in his own prayer life. There's a lot of things that we pray for. And David, a man after God's own heart, the king of Israel, as he writes the Psalms, also has a way that he prays and things that he prays for. And we're going to look into Psalm 5 and what David has to say in his own prayer life to help us to understand the model of a prayer life for a Christ follower. So he's going through a lot in his life, David is. Uh, for those of you who have read, if you did maybe the Bible reading that we've had, we've gone through quite a bit of the life of David and some of the things he faced. He faced betrayal from Saul. He faced betrayal from his own son, Absalom. He faced difficulties. He ran for his life. His physical life was in danger. People were against him. All kinds of things happened. And even in the midst of that, we see David as a prayer one who prays, one who makes his petitions known to God. All of these people around him setting themselves against the Lord and against David, who God had anointed as king over Israel. We see David going to the Lord, going to the Lord. And so here we have David talking about prayer in his, in his prayer life. Let's start in Psalm 5, verses 1 through 3. And this is what those verses say. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray, my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. First three verses, David laying it out. Here's what his prayer life looks like. And, and he starts with, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation, right? Give heed to the voice of my cry. Words and meditation, these are different things. There's a reason why he didn't say words twice. Meditation is something different than words. In this case, there's the words, there's the things that we can express with, with our mouth. I need this. You are this, things that we understand, things that, that we're, we're used to expressing and talking in our normal way. But then there are these meditations, the deep things of our heart, the deep cry of our soul. And so David's saying, there's both of these that are going on here in this prayer. There's the words that I'm saying, and I'm asking you to listen. Give ear, turn your ear toward me. There are some of you may have uh, people in your life who talk too much. My wife says she has someone in her life who talks too much. She won't tell me who it is, but she says she does. Um, it's me. But there are people who do. And, and sometimes the way that you sort of show somebody that you've, you're done listening is you turn your ear away. You turn your head the other way. You're not listening. And, and David's saying, give ear to my word. Please turn your ear toward me. Hear me as I speak words. But he's also asking God to consider his meditation, his meditation, the things that he can express only with his heart, only with his soul, only in that deep place. You may have some experience with this. If you have uh, kids, close friends, 
a husband, a wife, those, those kinds of folks, there are the words that they say, Dad, I need this. Mom, I need this. Husband, I need this. Wife, I need this, right? But then there are the cries, the meditation, the cries of their heart. My experience personally is that when my children come to me with words, I listen to the words usually. I listen to the words and and I may respond to it. But when my children come to me with cries, it's a different thing. My reaction to it is different. My attentiveness is different. How seriously I take it is different because they're expressing to me in vulnerability something much deeper. When you see the emotion come in, when, when the tears come through, Something different is happening. If my wife comes to me and, hey, David, I need such and such, there's, there's a way in which, I, in which I listen, in which I address that. But if my wife comes to me in tears, if my wife comes to me crying in emotion from her heart, it just hits me in a different way. And why would we think that God is in the same way? And so David here is talking about both. My brother Daniel has a daughter named Emily. She doesn't have many words. She has a physical condition that keeps her from being able to communicate very well with words. But she can communicate. And it's not uncommon for her because words are so difficult that she has to find another way to communicate. And that may be through cries, through groans, through, I need this thing. And Daniel, my my brother and his wife, Anna, they are attentive. They're attentive to her, what what she needs. Everyone in that home, Daniel, Anna, and Seth, they're, they're going to Emily. And Emily can't use words. And so she's crying. She's crying out, I need this. She's expressing with everything she has. And they're paying attention. God is the same. Not everything you have to say to him can you put in words. And he understands that. And David's saying that here, my words and my cries, my words and my meditation, both. In fact, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us because this is true. Listen to this, Romans 8, 26 to 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So even us, when we're praying, we know this from the Scriptures that involved in that process, there's words, there's our own expression, but happening alongside that, the Holy Spirit is actually interceding for us with something beyond words. Something beyond words. Think about Jesus in the garden praying with such fervency that he's sweating blood. It's something beyond words. There's a level of heart and soul that is poured out in meditation that we want God to consider because only he can understand. Only he can understand. Our our prayers should be moving us to vulnerability with God, to closeness with God. Father, only begotten Son, and Holy Spirit. We want to be close. We want to be vulnerable. We want to let out our meditations that he might consider those. Listen to my prayer, please, God. I need you. And the cry of our heart, expressing the deep inner parts of what we need from God. Charles Spurgeon said, Prayer without fervency is like hunting with a dead dog goes on to say, and prayer without preparation is like hawking with a blind falcon. 
I don't know that second part. I've never been hawking. I've never been hunting with a dog. But I'm guessing that if you're going out hunting with a dog, you want it to be alive. The idea is that if it's not fervent, you're just not doing it right. You're just not doing it. You're not going to find what you want if there's no fervency in your prayer. If your prayers are all just kind of off the cuff, Lord, do blah, 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 and I'm thinking about other things, and I'm whatever, I'm just kind of throwing something to them. I'm not saying don't do that. If that's all you're doing, at least do that. But if there's no fervency in it, you're not going to find what you're looking for. When you're hunting, that dog is helping root out what you want. As you pray with fervency, you're helping to find the thing that you truly need from God. He's understanding it. You're understanding it you got to pray with that kind of fervency. And some of you might say, I just, don't, I just don't know God that well. I just don't feel that comfortable praying. I don't feel like I know him well enough. Well, here's the good news for you. He knows you that well. He made you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. You are his creation. There is nothing in you that he doesn't know. There is nothing hidden from him, so there's no point in hiding it when you're with him. You don't know him that well? Well, he knows you, so you might as well let it out. Words and meditation, deep, meaningful prayers. And the more that you're going through, the more deep, the more meaningful your prayers need to be. As David is in this point of his life, praying with seriousness with fervency, with a desire for God to hear and to consider what he's saying. You want to get to know him? Pray. Read the Bible, right? Talk about the word with other people. Seek out those who love Jesus and follow him and can help you grow regularly along this journey in your life. And you will start to feel closer to God. Do all of those things. If you don't feel like you know him well, do the things that you would do if you wanted to get to know him well. And what you'll find is you'll start to know him well. And then those prayers of fervency can start to come. Not just words, but meditation. The deep things of your heart. Pouring those out to God. It says, give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God for to you I will pray. Now, this is important. David recognized who God is, and he recognized who David is. Each one of us needs to recognize who God is and who we are and the relation that we stand. Creator, creature. Father, child. Savior, saved. Friend, friend. All of those things are part of who we are in God and so many more. But understanding that is very important. And David's saying, look, I pray to you, um, only to you and not to anybody else, ever, for anything. That's really important for us, for us to realize that God is king. Jesus is Lord. The only God, the only king, there are no others. This is important. Get this deep into your heart, in that place of fervency. There are no others. No others. People in that time, they had idols. They'd make them out of wood, stone, gold, whatever, and they'd put them up, and they'd pray to those. And they'd pray to this one and that one, and the astropole and the thing over here. And then they might also go to the temple and pray to God. But to them, it was, there were too many when there's only one. They put their trust in too many places. For us, uh, ourselves, I think that we have functional idols, functional saviors, Things 
that we look to to bring us the things that only God can, should, will bring. If you're looking to feel satisfied, if you're looking for peace, if you're looking for true, unadulterated love, it's God. You don't find those things anywhere else. It doesn't stop us from looking for them in other places. Just like there was, were Israelites who went around and they go to the temple, but maybe when they got home, it was this little statue or that little statue. And God despised that because it was wrong. So look at the beginning of the, of the Ten Commandments. He despised that. In the same way, we can come to church on Sunday, but during the rest of the week, we're kind of putting our faith here, and we're kind of putting our faith there, and we're putting our faith over here. And it shows in our lives. It shows in our lives. David is saying, no, to you only will I pray. Only God. It's always God. We can ask other people to do things for us. We sure we can. We can demand that other people do things for us. You know, we can, we can do all of that. But our faith isn't in them. Our faith isn't in them because they have neither the power to take care of us nor the trustworthiness to earn our faith. That's a fact. Whether it's people, whether it's things, whether it's your money, whether it's your bank account, none of those things actually have the power to take care of you nor are they trustworthy enough for your faith. So don't pray to them. Don't pour out your heart to your bank account or even to your husband or your wife in the same way that you do to God. You're not looking from those things and those people for the things that you're looking for from God. It's only God, it's always God. If an unbeliever sees your life, you have to think about this. If you're a Christ follower, you have to think about what it looks like to the unbeliever. What does my life look like? If they look at your life and what they can see is that, okay, you talk about God, but I constantly see you faltering, worried, sad, broken over all of these things. You're saying you trust God. You're saying you believe in him. You've got the Bible. You go to church. But what I see is fear, and what I see is you putting your trust in all these other things and talking about all these other things and the things that you're on Facebook talking about and you're saying, oh, I can't believe this or I can't believe that or I'm worried about this or I'm worried about that. And they say to themselves, yeah, that's how I am. Why would I ever look to God when it's clearly not helping you? Because you have put your faith somewhere other than him. You are praying effectively to something other than him. You are pleading with something or someone other than him for the things which only he can give you. And that is a testimony to the world just as strong as the other side, which is I'm not in anxiety, I'm not in worry, I'm not in fear because I trust God because I pour it out to him and I believe that he's going to do it. Now, if they can see that in your life, peace. Boy, that sends a different message. Now they start saying, maybe I do want this Jesus. Maybe I do want to see what this Jesus is all about because where I'm looking to all these other things which do not help me, this person's looking to Jesus and I can see the peace in their life. I can see the growth in their life. We have to think about what it looks like. Why would they trust in Christ if we don't show that we do? My faith is in God. May it always be in God. Because to me, it is a keen awareness that, A, I have learned I can do nothing without him. I can do all things through Christ, who gives me strength. I also know that apart from him, I can do nothing. I've learned it. 
the hard way, the long way, the hard way, the difficult way, but now I know it. I know that I can do nothing without Christ. And so I also know that when I'm in him and when I trust him, the peace that I have, the joy that I have is beyond understanding. And I also know the effect that that has on people when I want to serve them and when I want to love them, when they can see me not moved. Well, I want that for every one of us. I want us to be thinking about that. And of course, that starts with prayer. Nothing else, no one else will save us, will provide for us, will protect us, but God. God gets prayer to him. Everyone else gets prayer for them. It's a very big difference between the two. If you don't want constant disappointment in your life, if you don't want to constantly be kind of on this up and down thing where you feel okay and then you feel like the whole world's falling apart, then you feel okay, then you feel like the whole world's falling apart, the thing that makes that line straight across or even going up is a prayer life, is a trust life. If you don't want to be disappointed, stop looking for your boss at work to become a better woman or a better man, good woman, good man. Stop looking for your husband or your wife to become a better person or a good person or whatever, that that's the thing that's going to give you, it's going to make things okay for you. Stop looking that anyone or anything would become better or good. Look only to this, pray to the Lord and you yourself will become better and good as he completes the work which he's begun in you, as you pour into him. Do not place your trust or your life or your joy in the hands of anyone but God. We do it all the time. If only, fill in the blank, if only my husband would, bloop, 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 I then could have joy. I then could be happy. My life would then be easy. If only my boss would treat me this way or give me this or that. If only my portfolio would rise up and the stock market would go through, then I would have security, then I would have safety, then everything would be okay, and I could feel okay all the time. It's not going to happen. The only thing that is going to work is praying, praying, words, and fervent meditations, cries to God, and trusting that he will fulfill. That's it. I know it sounds relatively simple, and I know that most of us academically, intellectually believe that that's true. But the truth is, is that all of us have to put that discipline into practice if we want it to actually be true for us. Spend less time worrying about all of those things and more time praying and growing closer to God and growing in trust for Him. Ever been on a vacation or maybe it's just a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning, you wake up and for some reason, man, you're just rested. And you wake up and you just feel the sense of peace, kind of joy. The birds are singing, you know, you feel great. You, you walk out, maybe you make that coffee and whatever. For whatever reason, you can't really understand it necessarily, but it's just one of those mornings that just feels amazing. It just feels peaceful. That is what it feels like to trust God all the time. Not just on the vacation morning, but when you're going through the worst of times, you can still hold on to that kind of a feeling of peacefulness. 
no matter what's coming at you, no matter what obligations you have, no matter what's going on, you can have that peace. So you know how everything just kind of moves slower on those days, on those mornings. Kind of, everything's just kind of going. It's all coming up, you know, you that day. It's just working out. So you just kind of walk through your day. It can be like that for you no matter what is outside. If your fervent prayers to God are constant and you trust that, he'll, that he will take care of them, then whatever is going on is not going to become a worry and a fear for you, but a thing taken care of, a thing promised, a thing that's going to be done. And you'll wake up each morning more and more feeling like that. More and more. Listen, we studied this passage last week. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You remember the saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket? I remember hearing this as a kid, that the idea is don't put, don't put all your trust in one thing. Diversify. Spread that out. Don't put all your money here. Don't put all your trust here. Don't put all your whatever. Kind of spread that out and you're less likely to be disappointed. If you're a person who invests in the stock market or something like that, then you probably have been taught, told that you need to diversify your portfolio. Buy some stuff that's kind of high risk but high return. Some stuff that's kind of lower risk but lower return. Some things in the middle, this and that and the other thing. That's what they tell you. Why? Because if you trust all in one thing and it goes bad, you've lost it all. And so the wisdom of the world is do not put all your trust in one thing. Spread it out. Certainly don't put all your eggs in one basket. But you know where the peace that passes, surpasses understanding comes from? It comes from putting all your eggs in one basket. All your trust, all your hopes, all your troubles, everything you're dealing with, all, all your hope in one basket Jesus Christ, through prayer and supplication. Prayer and supplication. As Jesus taught us and showed us in our, own, in our own lives, as David writes these psalms, and when we see him pour out prayer to God, the eggs are all in one basket. We don't keep one for ourselves. We don't give one to each kid and one to our spouse and one to the boss at work and one to the bank account and one to the thing and be like, oh, if this one, if this one breaks, at least this one will be good. We don't do that. They all go to God, all of them. And when we do that, the peace that surpasses understanding guards our hearts and minds of Christ Jesus. That's what we're promised here. That's what we're promised. Anxiety comes from keeping eggs to yourself. Fear comes from putting eggs in other places. You live worrying about whether those eggs are going to break or whether they're going to make it. Peace comes from trusting God with all of that, knowing that without a doubt, nothing that you give him will ever be lost. Nothing that you give him will ever be broken, but everything that we give him, everything that we invest in him will always show a return in our own lives and in his kingdom. We don't trust anyone but God for the things that we need, for the things that take care of our fears, that give us security, that give us peace. All of those things go to God. Not, not my wife, not your husband, not your kids, not your boss, certainly not the leaders and worldly people of this world. All of it to God. All of it to God. 
says, For to you I will pray. It's the last part of this uh, section. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. Wake up and look up. Wake up and look up. That's, that's this. When you get up in the morning, when you wake up, no phone. No phone. No morning news show. No newspaper. None of that. Nothing but God. Wake up and look up every single day. Start the day right. Seek God first with your day. You don't have to get up and immediately go to all your worries and fears. What's going on in the news? What did my 5,497 Facebook and Instagram friends post? I need to know. I need to keep up. I need to catch up. Wake up and look up. In the morning, you're going to hear my voice. You are going to hear my voice in the morning, Lord. Both those words and the meditations of my heart. I'm going to direct it to you in the morning. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to look up. And then when he says, I will look up and I will look up, he's talking about the expectation. You're looking out to see what's coming because you believe that what you've prayed for, is, if it's in God's will, it's happening. And so you're looking for it to happen so you can rejoice in it. We talked about looking for God to work out all things for good because of what Romans 8.28 says. You also hear we see that we look out for the things that we pray for to occur, those things that are the will of God. Those things that we've cried in our heart for, we look for them to happen. Some of them may be a long way off. Some of them may be closer. Some of them we might find out we're not really in the will of God in that at all. But we're looking for it. We're expecting it. Get up in the morning. Wake up and look up. Look to God and look out to what he's doing. If you wake up and you woke up, then you're alive. Praise God. If you wake up and there's clothes for you to put on, especially if you have more than one set of clothes, which many people in this world do not, praise God. If you wake up and you had a roof over your head, praise God. There are many who don't. If you wake up and you know you're going to be able to go down and get something to eat in the kitchen, praise God. Wake up and praise God. Get your perspective right in truth, in, in loving and praising and honoring God, and you'll be surprised what it will do for the rest of your day when you start it out instead of, oh my gosh, another whatever happened in the news. Instead of doing that, I'm on the phone, I just got up. If you go to the scriptures and to prayer, let him hear your voice in the morning, and you're praising him, and you're thanking him, and then you're pouring out your heart to him, and then you're trusting him that those are the things that are going to be done. Your day's going to look different. It's just going to look different. Put you in a place to experience a taste of the eternal life that you're living. It's through a glass darkly. You, don't, you won't experience it fully right now. But you get some of it. As the scripture tells us, 1 Corinthians 2.9, But it is, as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You're going to get a taste of that. A taste of the thing that you can't even imagine. Your eyes never seen it. Your ears never heard it. It's never entered into the heart of any man, any woman, any person, how great the things are that God has prepared for those who love him. But maybe just a taste. Maybe just through a glass darkly. You want to get there? You want to have that peace that surpasses understanding? You want to, you want to live in that eternal life? In the morning, 
wake up and look up. Wake up and look up. Psalm 512. This is the last verse of the psalm, and I'm actually skipping, obviously, a number of verses. I think we went through verse 3. I'm skipping verse 4 through 11, and I want to read you verse 12 because you have to understand these together. So here we go, 512. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him as with a shield. When you read the beginning of Psalm 5, you see clearly what God wants for our prayer life. And then when you read the last verse of the psalm, you see that those, the, the, the beginning of it and the end of it fit together perfectly. Listen to this. I'm just going to read that all together. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him as with a shield. Which kind of flows there. That last verse and those first three. They go together. Prayer with words and meditation. To God alone and only and to no one else. Looking to nothing and no one but God for your true needs. In the morning, believing and looking to God both to do it and looking as he does it, what he's promised. Because, all of these things, because the Lord will bless the righteous and favor and protect the righteous like a shield. That combination, asking, crying, to God only, believing, and then believing that he blesses us, that he protects us, that he loves us, that combination is a combination for power and peace the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, and the peace of God guarding your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's the combination. It's where we need to be. I just uh, consider in your heart for a moment this scenario. Every single Christ follower in this local expression of the body of Christ starts living this way, starts believing this way, starts pouring out their heart before Christ, before God, Every single morning, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit interceding and groaning for us and us believing that, it's, that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. That when he says he's here to save, that he's going to save people and that we get to be part of it. That he says he's going to protect us and that we're going to have eternal life, that he's going to do it. And we start every morning that way, just that. Forget all the other things that we should and ought and will be doing. If we just did that, think about the power of justice and righteousness and peace and joy that God could unleash on Clark County, on the Portland area, on the states of Washington, Oregon, on the country and on the world. If just this little group, and then think about what if the whole church all over the world, every Christ follower was living like this in this time, in this place, with all the difficulties that are going on, if we lived like this, what could God do? Just consider it. Because it's amazing. And it's what we're called to do. If this is our prayer life, if this is the way that we trust, if this is what we believe, God can do and will do. He can do it without us, but he wants to do it with us. And we want to do it with him. Listen to verse 11. It's just right before 12. It says, but let all those rejoice. Think about the number of times joy or rejoice is used in this verse. Rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. What does all this lead to? This praying, this believing, joy. 
I don't know about you, but I like to be joyful. I like to feel joy. I have the most, the, the, the heart of my joy is in my salvation. That's where the heart of it is. In the fact that God has saved me. The next part of my joy is that he saved you and my family and, and so many different people. The next part of my joy is that he is still in the business of saving that I get to be a part of it. And on and on and on and out in concentric circles out from that. I have joy over who I, I have joy in just the beauty of Christ. How do you get there? Pray. Believe. Read scripture. Be around people. Talk about it. Getting up. Going to sleep. During the day. At dinner time. Whenever. Talk about God. Pour into God. Do not let this thing on Sunday morning or this, maybe plus a life group or whatever, be the only times in the week that you're thinking about God. That you're trusting God. That you're learning about God. Let it just permeate everything you do. Starting every single morning. And those people... Those who love God, those who love his name, those who trust Jesus as Lord, they have joy, joyfulness. That's what I want for you. Rejoice, shouting for joy, joyfulness, because God defends those who love the name of the Lord. And when God defends those who love the name of the Lord, let me ask you this, who can stop us? You look out, you can look at the news and you can see what's happening in the world. It is a disaster and yet, if we trust God according to the scripture, we believe that, who can stop us? Romans 8.31, what then shall we say to these things? What are these things? All this stuff that's happening, the dumpster fire that is the world right now. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody. Nothing. Because if all our eggs are in the basket of the only one who actually has the power to do everything, all-powerful, Right? Thy kingdom come. It's his kingdom. Glory and the power forever. If that's where all our eggs are, what is it that you're afraid of exactly? What is it that you think anyone can do to us? Oh, they can damage our bodies? Big deal. This body's getting resurrected, thank God. They can do nothing to us. We are unstoppable in Christ. Unstoppable. If you understood who you were as a Christ follower, if you understood what the church was, what we're doing, where we're going, as C.S. Lewis says, mighty like an army with banners, in the spiritual world, Satan knows exactly who the church is. So everything he can do is to get your trust somewhere else. Everything he can do is to get your eggs somewhere else because he knows who we are and how God uses those who have all their eggs in his basket. We're a powerful force. The Holy Spirit is literally the restrainer of evil in the world. And you have the Holy Spirit. We can march against the gates of hell right now. I'm not talking about some sort of view of heaven where let's just wait for that and we'll sit in the cloud. I got the diaper on. I got a little, you know, arrow and the whatever, this medieval art nonsense. Right now and through eternity, we are God's army and his children and his people. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody. Every Christ follower, just like David, just like Jesus himself, the Christ, just like every Christ follower that's ever been, has a lot that they could fear. If they wanted to fear, there's always been a lot they could fear. You think your life is tough? 
Go check out David's life. Go check out Saul, who became Paul. Go check out the life that Jesus lived where he shed his own blood for us, saving us from sin and death and hell. And that if you're not saved today, you can have that too by calling on his name, by trusting in him, by calling Jesus Lord, by believing. But everybody, everybody, every Christian has things they could fear. If we don't trust God, there's much we can fear. And if we do trust God, there is nothing that we ought to fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's where you are. You don't have a spirit of fear. If you're fearing, you're letting body overcome spirit. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't go to the more base part. So did the spirit. Do not fear. We trust God more when we pray more. It's simple. You pray more, you're going to trust God more. Why? Because you're investing your time, your heart, the cries of your soul, and your heart, the inmost parts, the fervent prayers, you're entrusting those to God and you're investing them in prayer. If we invest in prayer, we're going to reap what we sow. You're sowing in relationship with God, you're going to reap. Philippians 4, 7, this is what we'll reap. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding that will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Pray more, that's what you reap. You want to know what the reward is for prayer? That's it, right? The verse is very clear, 4, 6, by prayer and supplication, 4, 7, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, which will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How many of your minds are addled? How many of your minds and your hearts are afraid? How many of you are struggling day by day, wondering what's going to happen to you, to your children, to your life, to whatever? What, what is going to happen in this country or in some other country or in the world? What's going to happen? How's it going to affect me? How many of you are just riddled with fear, if you're honest with yourself. Well, God tells you where to put that. Take those eggs, wherever they've been that cause you to fear, no more. They go to God. When they go to God, it is the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, which will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Your mind, your heart that's worried, that's afraid, it will be guarded. David knew about this. You have to understand, you have to put yourself in his position. Let's say this was written when Absalom, his own son, came and rebelled against him, and he was running for his life. That's tough. There was certainly a lot for him to be afraid of, and yet here he goes in prayer. No, Lord, I'm just going to give it to you, both the words and the meditations of my heart. I'm going to give it to you, and he trusts. That's why we read verses 11 and 12. Hey, you protect, you defend, you bless, you are God. I'm just David. I trust you. We can do the same. We can live the same. you got to believe that. You have to believe it. If you believe it, you'll live like it. We tend to do the things that we want to do, and we tend to want to do the things that will be good for us. And if we believe that these things are good for us, we're going to do them. We're going to do them. If we invest in Christ, we reap the harvest of more and more Christ-likeness. If we invest in fear, if we invest in people and things that are not God for the things that only God can give us, we're just going to reap trouble. There's a lot that David asks for in this prayer. Like I said, verses 4 through, through 10, David's asking for a lot. And Lord willing, we're going to get into that the next time that we get together and do a psalm sermon. It's serious and it's sobering. And it is difficult. And it's something that we need to talk about. 
because the things that he was dealing with, they're the same things that are going on right now. The things that he was facing, they're the same things we face right now. Liars, deceitful people, bloodthirsty people, people who want to destroy. And David prays about all that. We're going to get into that, Lord willing. Until then, the next time that we can study the word on this, I want you to institute the discipline of prayer, of prayer like David, of prayer like Christ. What he's taught us, both in teaching us the model for prayer and in showing us. Go into the scriptures and look at all the places where Jesus is praying. He prays for you. He literally prays for you, those that will believe because of the disciples. Go read it. See how he prays. And let's start instituting that. Let's invest in our relationship with Christ because there is no better investment. You want to see return, that's where you need to invest. Nothing else is going to save you. Nothing else is going to provide for you those things that only God can provide. And nothing will make us stronger as Christ followers individually and as his children, his church, both here in this local expression of the body of Christ and anyone else who's listening to this anywhere else in the world that's a Christ follower. We are all the church. We want to be strong. Let's pray. Let's pray about that. Let's pour out our words and our meditations to Jesus as David did. And let's trust that he will bless those who love him. And we'll look up and trust. We'll look up and trust to see what's coming. To see all the blessings and all the peace and all the joy that's coming. Because we've prayed for him because he's promised it. Let's pray. Father, we come to you with words and at the same time with the meditation of our heart. God, there are so many things that are broken in this world that break your heart like they break ours. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you just intercede for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words as we struggle. We want to see your saving grace save more and more people. Lord, we also want protection just for our lives, just for day to day that we can serve you, that we can love you. Whatever your will is and all of that, we trust you. God, let us pray every morning. Lord, me first. Let me get up in the morning and not be tempted to pick up that little rectangle that's sitting next to my bed with the alarm going off and go, hey, I wonder what's going on today, but rather to wake up and to look up. Lord, let me pour my heart out and let each one of my brothers and sisters, every Christ follower, pour their heart out in the morning to you. And of course, all day long. Lord, let us be grateful for who you are. All-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-present. That there's nowhere we can go to get away from you and that there's nothing that we have that we can hide from you. Therefore, Lord, let us pour out our, our innermost selves to you that you might hear us, that you might consider our meditation, that you might take heed the voice of our cry. Just as when one of my children comes to me crying and my heart is for them, God, I know you're the same way for us when we cry to you. Let us believe that, that we might feel comfortable in crying to you. And God, defend us. We know that you're for us and therefore no one can be against us. Let us believe it and let us walk forth in victory. 
because you've already defeated sin and hell and death on the cross where you went because the joy was set before you, that you would save us, that somehow men and women on this little blue ball in this vast universe that you've created, that you care enough for us that you would become one of us and that you would die for us and that you rose again and the defeat of Satan and evil and all of that is over. And Lord, come quickly. Your kingdom come. Let mercy and joy and peace and justice and love and hope pour out all over the world through the light of your life. Until then, let us be salt and light. Protect us. We know you will. Bless us. We know you will. We know you love us. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. Be with us this week. In your name, amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope the Lord blessed you through it. We'd like to invite you to join us on one of our Sunday morning services at either 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Whether you would just like to find out some more info about Axe Church, or if you'd like to plug in and take some next steps in your faith, axechurchnw.org is a great place to start. You can also email us at info at There's always more content coming, whether it's on YouTube or on our podcast channel. So be sure to subscribe to both of those to always get the newest content from Axe Church. Until next time, we hope you have a blessed week.